You're listening to Comedy Central. October 3rd, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Tyson is joining us, everybody. He's got, he's got a new book about the partnership between astrophysics and the military. And you know what that means? Space Force! <laughs> but first, let's catch up on today's headlines. You know how they say if you don't like your leaders, you should write angry letters to them? Well, some people take it a little too far. The FBI is investigating several suspicious letters sent to President Trump and others that may have contained the toxic compound ricin. Officials say the letter that was addressed to the president never entered the White House. Similar letters mailed to the Pentagon were addressed to Defense Secretary Jim Mattis and the Navy's top officer, Admiral John Richardson. A fourth letter was sent to the Houston campaign office of Senator Ted Cruz, but tests there for anything hazardous turned up negative. Okay, first of all, thank God no one was hurt. And second, if your plan to harm Donald Trump depends on him reading something, (laughs) maybe you haven't thought this through. I got a letter, now my head hurts and I'm dizzy. Is this ricin? (laughs) No, sir, that's words. (laughs) Also not smart, sending a poison letter to Ted Cruz. They were suspicious right away. No one writes letters to Ted Cruz. (laughs) If anything, the poison letter is lucky it never got to Ted Cruz, because right now, poison would be in the hospital. Like, what happened to you, poison? I was exposed to Ted Cruz. (laughs) In other news, uh, if you've been looking for a reason to restock your fallout shelter, this might be it. The EPA is proposing to weaken radiation regulations, suggesting a little bit of radiation is actually good for you, like sunlight. Current guidance says any exposure to radiation is a cancer risk. Critics warn the proposal could increase harmful exposure for people who work near radiation or live next to Superfund sites. Now, now, before you start complaining about how it's not safe for the EPA to encourage higher radiation levels, ask yourself one question. Do you want more X-Men movies or not? (laughs) I rest my case. (laughs) Moving on, Russia. They've targeted Democrats, Republicans, and now they're going after one of America's biggest populations, nerds. The Hollywood Reporter reports a new study claims negative buzz about Star Wars The Last Jedi is being amplified by Russian trolls. An academic paper finds that half of the criticism aimed at the director of the 2017 installment was politically motivated or not even human. The author, Morton Bay, claims he found evidence of deliberate organized political influence measures disguised as fan arguments. He said a number of users appeared to be Russian trolls. Okay, I'm sorry, Russian hacking has just gotten ridiculous now. No, because I get them going after elections, but Rotten Tomatoes, really? Like, what's next? They'll be hacking your Airbnb reviews? Just like, Susan's bedding was too uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, vote Trump. Who is this guy? All right, let's move on to our top story. Over the past four weeks, it feels like everyone has been talking about Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh every single day. Like, if you took a shot every time the news mentioned Brett Kavanaugh, you would be Brett Kavanaugh. 
So, for our own mental health, let's take a break from this madness and talk about something else. Donald Trump. I don't know if you guys know this, but Donald Trump is the president of the United States. Uh, he probably texted you about it today. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons he got that job was that he sold himself as a self-made billionaire who would do for America what he did for himself. And yesterday we found out more about his amazing road to riches. The president has always portrayed himself as a master businessman, using the art of the deal to turn a small loan into a global empire. But now a New York Times investigation claims he was actually given a fortune from his father's real estate company, often through, quote, dubious tax schemes. I got a very, very small loan from my father many years ago. I built that into a massive empire. And I paid my father back that loan. It's a story Donald Trump has been telling for decades. I started with a million dollar loan. I built a company that's worth more than $10 billion. But reporters for the New York Times, who say they examined more than 100,000 pages of documents, claim it isn't true. They report Donald Trump's father, Fred, actually lent him at least $60.7 million. Wait, what? Okay. I don't know about you, but I'm devastated right now. Because the one thing I knew about Donald Trump is that he was a self-made billionaire. <laughs> and now you're saying that's not real? <laughs> like, what's next? You're gonna tell me that's not his real hair, huh? <laughs> that his natural complexion isn't sunset, huh? <laughs> no, because this exposes Trump's whole origin story as a lie. And I mean, like, a total lie. This is like finding out that Superman was actually born in Cleveland and he can't even fly. It's just an elaborate system of pulleys, okay? <laughs> Which is still impressive, but not the same. <laughs> and now look, let's be honest, let's be honest. I don't think any of us really ever believed that Trump was self-made. We knew that his dad gave him a leg up in life, but the New York Times has shown that Fred didn't just give Donald a leg up. He was basically all of his limbs. Fred Trump was relentless and creative in finding ways to channel his wealth to his children. He made Donald not just his salaried employee, but also his property manager, landlord, banker, and consultant. He gave him loan after loan, many of them never repaid. He gave him three trust funds. He gave him shares in multiple partnerships, and he gave him laundry revenue from his buildings. He provided money for Donald's car, money for his employees, money to buy stocks, money for his first Manhattan offices, and money to renovate those offices. Okay, okay, this is just embarrassing, right? It's one thing to be a trust fund baby, it's another thing to be a baby baby, right? <laughs> You're a 40-year-old man and your daddy is still paying for your office furniture? <laughs> like, did you do anything for yourself, Donald? Huh? Did you actually bang those models in the 80s or was that your dad too, huh? <laughs> Were you in that room like, uh, are you gonna give it to me, Donald? like, no, but my daddy will. <laughs> so, Fred Trump was funneling enormous amounts of money to Donald for decades. And it all started before young Donnie even knew what money was. According to the investigation, Trump was earning $200,000 in today's dollars by age three and was a millionaire by the age of eight. By the time Donald was 17, his father had given him part ownership of a 52-unit apartment building. Wow, $200,000 as a toddler and a millionaire by the age of eight. That is not normal. That's not a normal way to grow up. Like, it turns everything upside down. I bet Donald Trump never even got bullied because if they ever took his lunch money, 
the bullies would instantly be in a higher tax bracket, you know? <laughs> Just be like, I really want to give him a wedgie, but my accountant says it's not worth it. <laughs> if we were in the Cayman Islands, boy, you'd be getting it right now. <laughs> now, usually, when your parents gift you hundreds of millions of dollars, you would need to pay taxes on that, right? A lot of taxes. But these are the Trumps we're talking about, and that's not how they roll. The New York Times report that indicates President Trump helped his father cheat the federal government and avoid for years on end paying millions and millions of dollars in federal taxes. Fred Trump used a sham company to funnel tax-free money to his children. The Trumps manipulated the value of their apartment buildings claiming they were worth millions of dollars less than fair value. He helped transfer more than $1 billion of his parents' wealth to himself and his siblings. A sum, they report, would have produced a tax bill of at least $550 million. But they say the family employed a variety of tax dodges, cutting that to $52.2 million. Sweet Jesus. So according to the Times, Donald Trump, the president, by the way, remember, uh, stole half a billion dollars from the American government. Yeah. It's like if you robbed a bank and then they were like, you know what, we're gonna make you the CEO. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, the one part of the story that brings me joy is that in order to pay less tax, Trump had to pretend his properties were worth less than they actually were. That must have been such torture for him. Be like, so you see, I shouldn't pay that much. The properties are actually not that great. They're the greatest! <laughs> no, they're not, they're not. Don't listen to me, listen to me! <laughs> so what this report tells us is that Donald and his dad worked together to defraud the US government for decades. We also learned that Donald needed his father to repeatedly bail out his failing businesses. But as it turned out, Donald was so bad at business that some of his dad's fortune wasn't enough. He needed all of it. At that crucial point in his life, 1990, we found Donald Trump crafts, in essence, a new will for his father. And then he sends lawyers to his father's house to have him sign it. His father had no idea this was coming and flipped out. His father looked at this and thought, this is my son who is in incredible trouble right now, trying to get control of the empire that I built. Okay, I've heard of the apple not falling far from the tree. Uh, I've never heard of the apple falling off the tree and then trying to take all of the tree's money. <laughs> I'm just saying that piece of fruit is an asshole. <laughs> and you're probably wondering what happens now. Well, I have bad news for you. Because of the statutes of limitations, the worst that could happen to Trump is that he pays a fine. But he will definitely not go to prison. Uh, which we should know by now, Trump doesn't go to prison. Well, that's just not how the story goes. Like, there's a bigger chance we'll all go to prison for Trump's taxes. <laughs> yeah, we'll just be in the cell like, I'm not gonna lie, I did not see this coming. I did not see this coming. <laughs> and the worst part is, the Trump who blew through a fortune and stuck his dad with the bill, that Trump never went away. Yeah. You realize that since Trump took office less than two years ago, the projected national debt has skyrocketed by $1.6 trillion. So I guess what I'm saying is, we're all Fred Trump now. We'll be right back. My guest tonight is a renowned astrophysicist, director of the Hayden Planetarium, and author whose new book is called Accessory to War, The Unspoken Alliance Between Astrophysics and the Military. Please welcome Neil deGrasse Tyson. Thank you. 
Welcome back hey, to the show. Thanks for having me back. First things first. What's that? Happy birthday. Oh, this week is my birthday. Happy birthday. So, so, but everybody has a birthday every year. So just to specify, this is my 60th. 60? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm the same age as NASA. <laughs> we, we were born the same week in 1958. Right. And how are you both doing? <laughs> We, we have our ups and downs. Right, 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 right. We try to keep them mostly up. Things are looking up. Uh, yeah. we, we, we got Neil a little cake from the show, and uh, I was like, we should make it like a planet type thing. And then we're like, well, the planet doesn't like balance. So we got you like half a planet. Then we're like, is it a planet? Is he going to judge us for it? There was so much stress. <laughs> it's, it's, a pro it's a planet somewhere in the universe. Right. Not one of ours. Right? Yeah. We, like, can I ask you a question? Like, what? are people intimidated by you because, like, they don't want to say the wrong... Like, for instance, I, I'm just hanging out with Neil. I always ask him a random question about what's plaguing me about what's happening in the universe. And now I was like, hey, man, what's going on with Pluto? Because I read a thing where they said, like, Pluto might be a planet again. And then you're like, no, it's not a planet again. What's going on with Pluto? Just, just get over it. It's... it's, it's <laughs> get over it which way? <laughs> So is a planet is not a planet. Which no, way should no, I get over it? I think there's a push right now to try to get it back, but it's going to be really hard. A to, push from whom? But we, there are people, there are planet, the Pluto, Pluto lovers out there that have not, <laughs> not given up. You saying there's like a Pluto lobby out there? Uh, they're, they're, and, they're like... all, and they're all mostly American, because in 1930, when Pluto, the cosmic object, was discovered, right. Disney first drew Pluto the dog. So, yeah, the dog and, and, the, and, and the former planet have the same sort of tenure in our hearts and the, minds. Did you say the former planets? <laughs> Man, this world. You know what? I, what I've always enjoyed about your work, um, and, you know, I mean, a, a testament to that work is how your book is still on the New York Times as a oh, bestseller. My other book. Yes, your other book. Yes, right. Still it's on the still New York on. Times. And this showed up right. next to it. Right, on, right. Like, because... Yeah, because you, you make... You let, me just make say, let me just say, uh, we cheer any science book that lands anywhere near the bestseller list. <laughs> and so, because there's always the political books that, right, right, uh, right. that Tidewaters bring in and out, and an athlete book, and a celebrity book. And if a science book shows, I was like, whoa, maybe finally someone will be talking science at the water cooler. Right. And so, so th my first one is still there on the, in the 73rd week. It's, it's ridiculous. And, and this and, one and, is there, so it's two books. Two science books, yeah. And I say it's because you, you make it so accessible. You, you, you try and tie astrophysics to what's happening in the world. I mean, this book... Wait, wait, I could do that, but is... someone still has to be interested in it. And it's for me, it's no, a no, sign. No, 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 no. No, I disagree. Sign. I thought it's the other way around. I think it's the other way around. I think you make us interested in the thing. Because you go like, interest, I think, is created. We, we're interested oh, in everything. that's people very always, sweet of you. Yeah, people are always interested in interesting things. Yeah, okay. But you have to make it interesting. Yeah, okay. And that's what, that's what you've done with this no, book for no. me, right? Yeah. This, this book is a really interesting book because you talk about the relationship between astrophysics and the military. Going and, way back. Right, going like, but like way, way Wait, back. Hundreds, thousands, thousands, yeah. Pe yep. So people have always been using, like the military has always been using astrophysics well, well, to well, move so forward. Before the late 19th century, uh, just the term astronomer was it. Right. Later on, we started doing spectroscopy and more, much more physics came a part of it. Uh -huh. So we used the word astrophysics. But basically, people who understood the universe were handmaidens to military conquerors from the beginning. Right. And part of it is you want to know, especially the seafaring nations, you want to know where the people are who you want to conquer. How do you know where you are on Earth? You got to go to the astronomers because we know what the sky looks like from all different parts of the Earth. Uh -huh. And you take that information and you infer where you are on Earth from it. Right. And when you do that, you, you control the seas. You control the undiscovered lands. You control the lands that people are living in that you are more powerful than. When you, when you finally land on the, on, like Columbus did this, 
Right. Columbus, he, he, on his fourth voyage, he, 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 he lands on Hispaniola, does what he does. He tries to get back to Spain. He doesn't have enough, enough supplies. He goes to the natives and say, give me some of your supplies. They said, no, we just have enough for ourselves to get through to the next harvest. Right. And he knew that a total lunar eclipse was coming up a week later. And he said, if you do not give me your supplies, I will, my God will make the moon go away. I'll make it disappear from the sky. And they freaked out. But some of them were skeptical. A week goes by, the moon starts disappearing. They rapidly got their supplies, gave it to him. He stayed, he stayed in, his, in his cabin till halfway through the eclipse. He then comes out and says, my God is merciful to you for, for giving me the supplies. We will now have the moon return. He's <laughs> <laughs> halfway in the eclipse. The moon comes out the other side of Earth's shadow. So he, exploit, he used knowledge of the universe right. to exploit people not as knowledgeable or as powerful as he was. That is a hilarious story, but I feel like we're skipping over the part where these people died. <laughs> because they don't have food now. Right, right, right. There's no, nothing written about that. Yeah. But Columbus successfully gets back, back to Spain. That is a wild... I, I feel like I, you could still use those techniques today because a lot of people don't think like that. The, like, the, I, I feel like I could use that with, like, my taxi driver in New York. <laughs> and I'll just be like, I'm not going to pay. And he'd be like, you have to pay. And I'll be like, my God will remove the moon! <laughs> I feel like it could still work yeah, today. It could for some. It could for. It who, ain't work, who follows it, the movie? It ain't right working now. on me, but it's, it could work. Well, you're not my taxi driver, Neil. I mean, <laughs> if you were my taxi driver, I'd be like, Neil, what happens to the bestseller? What's going on, Neil? No, but, but the thing is, think about it. If you have knowledge of natural phenomena yes. and of the universe, and you have nefarious motives, you can exploit anybody who does not. And so for me, science literacy is so important in modern civilization. So it is inoculation against people who would otherwise exploit your ignorance of the phenomenon of the world. We've come a long way from the days of Columbus, and we're looking at the modern-day military today who are still in a relationship with astrophysicists. Yes, you know, we are. You know, Donald Trump has promised us one of the greatest promises a president ever has, and that is the development of the Space Force. Space Force. Space Force. Space Force. And the, <laughs> the key idea... Okay, calm down. <laughs> it's okay. You, you cannot calm down. It's okay. We're talking about Space Force. You cannot calm down when talking about Space Force. Plus, the way he talked about it. Right. It was like very... It was, it was bicep flexing. Now, I in, want to know the, from you, as an astrophysicist, how... How feasible is a space force? Like, can you fight wars in space? Is it fighting wars against other countries when the aliens come? Would, where would you say we wage the war against the aliens, just looking at the planet and how things work? Yeah, and aliens, I think, just give up all hope. <laughs> if, if the aliens come across the galaxy right. in a ship, and we haven't left... We, we haven't been past the moon since 1972. Oh. They, they are smarter and more powerful and have better machinery than us. Right. And every example of when that happened in our own species... The one who had less tech, who was less technologically able, w ended up. It, it was bad for them. They're, they're, <laughs> they were enslaved. They were put on reservations. Wow. They, so wow. in fact, all the movies that portray aliens yes. treating us that way, I think it's not from act. It's not from knowledge that we had. We don't have any knowledge of the aliens. It's how we know we've treated each other. It is a mirror to our culture and our civilization. Right. How aliens are portrayed in all of these sci-fi movies. So, anyway, Space Force, yeah, it would be nice if it could swat aliens out of the sky. Right. That's not what the goal. The, the, so the goal, the, so the Air Force has a branch of itself called the, called the U.S. Um, the US uh, Space Command. Right. So there's already military activity in space. It was just sort of an accounting shift. You shift it all out, uh -huh. got its own branch. Uh -huh. And if you're going to do that, I'd throw in asteroid defense. Why not?
Throw in, why don't you clean up the debris, the space debris? Right. Okay? Now, you're thinking there's like... Because there's the junk in space. There's junk in space. That'd right. be bad for our space assets. What's a military to do? You want them to protect your borders, of course. Right. And, and the normal things a military would do. But how about your assets? There's assets in space that are worth far beyond the value of the hardware itself. Right. There's, there's satellites that enable business on the ground. So the GPS satellites, uh -huh. for example, they were put up by the military. And we figured out how to tap into it. We, I mean, people right. figured out how to tap into it and use it for conducting business. The entire business model of Uber runs off of GPS satellites. Tinder runs off of GPS satellites, okay? <laughs> you, you want to mate in the next 48 hours and get a, get a coordinate system for that? That's, <laughs> this is how that works. So now what, what I'm enjoying... And, so, so in the old days... <laughs> What I'm enjoying, what I'm enjoying right now, is this relationship. So you had an astrophysicist like yourself who was like, I think I've just figured out a way to use space to launch a satellite that can tell us exactly where we are on the Earth. And the military was like, we can use this to conquer people. And someone was like, oh, now nah, I know how to smash. <laughs> that was basically. <laughs> Is, is that evolution or no, is that I, is that the opposite? What is that? I, I, I don't know. What that shows <laughs> the create the, the boundless creativity right. of people when confronted with a new means of conducting business. So is it important for astrophysics to be part of the military? Is this something that is a luxury, what? or do you genuinely think that this will determine the future of the world? Here's what happened. We make discoveries, and the military looks over the picket fence and says, hey, we want some of that. Right. And then they do things of much higher budget that we couldn't otherwise afford. It emerges out, it gets declassified. Hey, say, we want some of that. Project Keyhole was, a, was an idea to put uh, uh, telescopes in orbit that look down. Right. Rev, masterminded telescope, beautiful telescope. We said, hey, after that got declassified, we want one of those. Became the Hubble Space Telescope. Looking up. Right. This is, this is why we, 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 we care about the same things the military cares about. Are you, are you ever worried, though, that the military would use one of your discoveries as an astrophysicist to do something really horrible on Earth? They might do that, but I have no control over that. And so what this book does, it, it is, a, it is an, a, a, a discussion. It's an, it, it's, a, it's an exploration of all the ways we have each crossed each other's street. To either blindly say, oh, give me that, I don't care what you did with it, or how many, I want that because it'll help me learn about the universe, right. and vice versa. I don't judge it, I just, I, I present it, and I observe it. Because not all wars are bad. I used to think war was bad, because I grew up during Vietnam. But the Second World War, you're not going to sit idly by and just let Hitler run ramshackle over right. Europe. You're going to say, let's rise up. War memorials have soldiers standing proudly astride a steed, brandishing weapons. And, and I looked at that, and I said, why are they doing this? Because war is bad. Right. But then I realized, no, not all conflict is bad. Sometimes you have to stand up and fight enemies of civilization. And so... We have been a handmaiden to that enterprise ever since the beginning. And this is why they're bestsellers. You make it interesting. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Accessory to War is available now. Neil deGrasse Tyson, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.